We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Be sure to use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit on DraftKings for a free contest entry today. It is Wednesday, September 2nd. We are a week and a day away from the start of the NFL regular season. I'm Nick Whalen, joined by a man who spent most of this morning attempting to pressure me into buying a discounted Blaine Gabbert Jaguars jersey. 19.99, Nick. How can you go wrong? I think there are a lot of ways you could go wrong with that. Um, yeah, I'm being bombarded with links today for, from, from Mike Doria, who joins me, uh, Rotowire senior NFL editor, uh, with links to Trent Richardson jerseys, Blaine Gabbert jerseys, Aaron Campman jerseys. I don't, what, what is your angle here? Are you well, just trying the, to get uh, me to the, build the a Trent collection? The one was, was going to be a talking point. Well, I okay. guess we can talk about it now. <laughs> just that um, this is a guy who was the number three pick in the draft uh, a few years ago, and already his... Uh, there's two versions of his jerseys that are heavily discounted on uh, NFL.com in their pro shop. Uh, his Browns jersey, I think, is uh, down to $39.99 from uh, the original $89.99 uh, cost. And his Colts jersey is at $59.99. And I think that's kind of a sad state of affairs for a guy who looked like he was going to be a star in the league. And then, uh, you know, the reason, I mean, it's it's scandalous that you don't have a Jaguars jersey, and you proclaim to be a Jaguars fan. It's scandalous? I don't know if that's the right word. I do own a Jaguars jersey. It just happens to be a Mark Brunel kids medium 
champion jersey. Oh. So I can't, I can't really wear it out in public. I do still wear it to the draft every year as, as somewhat of a joke. Uh, but it, it's basically an Under Armour shirt at this point. Well, anyway, uh, there's like in um, the NFL Pro Shop, there's lots of bargains to be had in fantasy drafts. So that's probably one of the things we're going to talk about today. And Hell of a transition there. Mike. By the time this, uh, you know, our season of podcasting is over, Nick, I hope to see you in a Jaguars jersey, T-shirt, hoodie, whatever. Show some pride there. All right, I will do something about that. That's for sure. We're just going to hopefully see if that Gabbert jersey goes below ten bucks, and then I'm, and then maybe I'll pull the trigger. All right, so let's get into some of the big news of the day. We already mentioned Trent Richardson. He was cut by the Raiders. We'll get into a couple more cuts in a little bit. Uh, we'll start with Randall Cobb. Uh, looked like he went down on Saturday with what could have been a scary shoulder injury. Kind of got driven into the ground after making a catch, landed right on that right shoulder. Uh, but as we found out earlier this week, the injury doesn't look to be anything too serious. A sprained AC joint in that shoulder, still dealing with some swelling. I would, would say probably not going to play on Thursday, if not definitely at this point. Yeah, I mean, um, ba- ba- you know, I'll, I'll cut you off there just for one sec, just as a little reminder that, uh, I mean, most of our listeners out there would already know this, but the fourth week of the preseason t- tends to be a situation where very few important players play. There might be a few players uh, out there that are in the midst of job battles that, that that are, you know, potential starters that actually get out there on the field for for more than a couple of snaps, but generally it's it's the scrubs. It's the guys that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have to cut rosters down from 75 to uh, 53 on Saturday or by Saturday. So this is, this is the... Uh, this is the game where those uh, players are fighting for their roster spots, and they're the ones that, that are going to be playing most of the time, showcasing their skills, you know, and um, there's just not going to be a whole lot going on in, in terms of, like, fantasy viable players playing. I mean, obviously, no team wants, you know, a player that they, they want to have in their starting lineup on week one get injured uh, in a, I mean, the, the most meaningless preseason game of the year, i.e. week four of the preseason. Yeah, and the Packers fall into the category of one of those teams that probably won't play you know, any of their big, big-name guys. Cobb won't play. Rodgers, I'm sure, won't play. Lacey will pr- maybe see a series or two. But for yeah. a team that's been as dinged up as they are already, they don't want to take any more chances. I, mean, I, I think that uh, if you're playing daily games at all, you can just forget about you know week four of the, 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 the preseason there. And, and really, um, teams are, are most likely to, to either completely bench or – you know, put their starters in there for an extremely limited amount of time. Um, it's it's just there's just no upside to sending anyone out there uh, in that sort of situation that close to the season. Right. So no Randall Cobb on Thursday for Green Bay as they close out the preseason. But it sounds like he's going to be ready for Week One. This is coming from Cobb himself. Are you concerned if he doesn't practice at all before Week One, or is he you know has he proven himself at this level already to the point where he can just kind of plug and play? You know, as as a person who's gone through some uh, shoulder issues there, I think uh, the kind that he's dealing with is probably more of a pain tolerance thing there. Um, I would I would imagine that unless he has a setback, unless he, you know, goes to practice and, and bumps it and feels bad, um, that he'll probably be out there. And, I mean, um, obviously the, the Packers don't want to unnecessarily risk Cobb in any way, given that they've already lost Jordy Nelson for the season. But by the same token... They they can't afford to, uh, you know, be exercise extreme patience with Cobb. If he's if he's ready to to tough it out, then he'll be out there in week one, and I believe that he will be. We've talked so much about what's going to happen in the aftermath of Jordy Nelson's injury. Obviously, Cobb slides up to that de facto number one role. Devonte Nelson shifts up to uh, to number two, but uh, Devonte Adams, excuse me, I don't know why I said Devonte Nelson. Um, so who's going to start at? Who's going to be the third wide receiver for Green Bay? And you know we've seen Jeff Janis, Miles White, Ty Montgomery. Those are kind of the big three in the conversation. All three played well in Week Three of the preseason against Philadelphia. That Green Bay offense got off to a slow start, but looked a lot better in the second half when Brett Hundley got more comfortable. And now they get Jared Abradaris back. He missed all of last season with a torn ACL. He's been dealing with concussion symptoms during training camp. Um, you know, missed the better part of the last month. So he's a little bit behind them at this point. We'll start with those first three, Janice, White, and Montgomery. Is there anybody who's in the lead at this point? Well, I had a draft um, last week, and all three of those guys were available with my last pick. And, you know, I had about a minute and a – not about a minute and a half. I had a minute and a half to think about <laughs> it. Uh, perhaps I should have thought about it before. But I just couldn't decide between the three, ultimately. Um I thought, well, you know, Janice, he's got an edge in experience. He's, you know, built in a – he's built a little bit like Jordy Nelson. 
Ty Montgomery, originally they, they you know, intended to use him primarily as a return guy. I think he has, the, uh, has more upside long-term out of that trio. Uh, initially, it's, it's going to be a timeshare, I think. I mean, that sounds like a bit of a cop-out answer, but really I don't think either of those guys are draftable except in pretty deep leagues. And then let's just see what happens in week one. Uh, and then if even one more Packers receiver goes down, then suddenly one of those two guys or three guys is fantasy relevant. But right now, I think, you know, the number three receiver, whoever that may be, is going to be a dart, you know, season long and, and weekly. But it will be interesting to see because the Packers, they seem to find a way with the receivers. And they and a lot of the times they aren't heralded college guys, and then they end up being productive players. I mean, Jordy Nelson, it's not that he wasn't up. A quote high draft pick, but he wasn't he wasn't an elite cream of the crop guy coming out you know of college. So I, I think they'll figure it out. Right, and they've done very well with second round picks, especially obviously that's where they grabbed Devonte Adams, Jared Aberderis. Uh, we won't spend too much time talking about him, but is he a guy that you see making the roster? Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about his health. I mean the concussions and everything. I mean um, Nick knows a lot about this particular player because he's a former Badger and. Uh, Roadwire headquarters are here in Madison, and I, I had a chance to see him. I mean, he's, he's an interesting player, but I don't really think that he's on the fantasy radar, and I'm not even sure he's going to make the team this year. Jared Aberderis, actually, his team in high school knocked my high school's team out of the playoffs our senior year. He was a quarterback back then and just ran all over us. And I think his team ended up winning state, and he won. He went on to win like two or three state titles in track as well. So, so there's, there's a lingering fascination with his upside? There is, there is. And yeah, full disclosure, I wasn't, wasn't the greatest high school football player of all time, so I was, I was almost more of a fan at that point. You know, like it, was, it was very fun to watch because you know, everybody knew who Aberderis was at that point. He was one of the top players in the state. But I, I do remember going to the locker room. I think he played at Watoma. I'm sure everyone knows where that is. And they had a, a board of like all their school strength records. And I mean, Aberderis is not a big guy at all. And he held like almost every single strength and speed record. So not really surprised to see where he is right now. Um, oh, yeah. Bef- before we uh, exit the, uh, the Packers uh, whiteout situation there, I did notice that Jared Boykin uh, got cut by the Panthers. And uh, I wonder if uh, he might resurface with the uh, with the Packers. I mean, I wonder he, that as well. It was kind of an odd move by Carolina, a team that's just flush with depth that receiver. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they. I mean, between the Benjamin injury and and Funchess being a little nicked up and everything, um, but you know, Boykin obviously has familiarity with the uh, Packers system, Aaron Rodgers. So um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that they parted in bad ways there. So. That, that's a guy who could actually resurface and, and maybe enter the number three slash number four uh, wideout equation there with the Packers. And, and unlike a lot of uh, NFL teams that are, that are going to be scanning the, the waiver wire for, you know, scrubby guys that got cut by other teams, I think the Packers are going to try to handle it as in-house as possible with the exception of, um, you know, maybe considering Boykin or James Jones if he en- ends up getting uh, cut by the Giants there. Yeah, the interesting uh, caveat to the Nelson injury was, you know, everybody started speculating who's Green Bay going to bring in to replace him. Is it going to be Reggie Wayne? Is it going to be Randy Moss? And, you know, Green Bay really hasn't made any moves at this point. They really haven't made any indication that they plan to. Yeah, I mean, as we touched on uh, last week, there's just a tendency for Green Bay to not um, spend big money on free agents, not um, scan the waiver wire. If you look at their roster, there's only a few guys that have ever played a regular season game with an, with another NFL franchise. And, you know, to, to the franchise's credit, there's a nice continuity. They built through the draft. They don't overpay for free agents. And, uh, I mean, that's one reason that they're, uh, they're probably going to be contenders for a while there, especially as long as Rodgers is uh, healthy and, and their quarterback. All right, so rosters are starting to be trimmed down. I believe Saturday is the deadline for 53-man rosters to be submitted. Yeah, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. That has to be all final. Uh, A lot of teams will probably start um, making cuts almost immediately after Thursday night's games. So there might be some – when you wake up on Friday morning, there'll be some names out there. But I think by Friday, a lot of guys are going to get cut. And obviously, like you said, Saturday is when things have to be finalized on that front. So there's – there's a rosters are at 75 right now. They need to go down to uh, 53. So 22 times <laughs> 32. I don't have a calculator in front of me, but there's a lot of players that are going to be looking for jobs, and some of them are going to be 
um, some names that we're pretty familiar with and maybe some players that still have something left in the tank. They were just, you know, um, beaten out by someone younger, maybe friendlier on the salary cap. So there's there's going to be a lot of roster churn. And I think uh, there's by, by the time we talk next week, there might be a couple of interesting situations. You know, some of these, like, uh, positions that have been hit by injuries, um, you know, even even backfields like Cleveland. It wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland does something like cut Terrence West and then pick up, you know, running back uh, to be named later who who was cut. cut. So there's going to be it's, – it's it's not just, um, you know, trimming the fat. There's, there's definitely going to be some players that uh, end up in some interesting destinations. So definitely keep a close eye on that um, leading up to um, – next weekend because uh you know a lot of teams have already drafted a lot of leagues have already drafted and some of that churn is going to result in some players that are worth picking up like right away right and most of the guys that are being cut in this first round of cuts are guys you'd expect you know uh, basically training camp bodies but you still you still do have a few guys a few names that always surprise i don't know how surprising trent richardson is uh, a guy we talked about at the top of the podcast cut by the raiders um, I mean, has there been a bigger running back bust in the last 10 or 15 years? Well, I can't really think of one that was... I think Cedric Benson comes to mind, but other than that... Yeah, I, Cedric Benson had it, you know... He had, he had a, a resurgence with, with the Bengals kind of late in his career. He had a couple of decent years, you know, did some things around the goal line, but the, but uh, some of the, some of the, uh, the bigger name uh, running back busts have been related to injuries and things like that. Richardson just never, you know, never took off the, uh, <laughs> the the ankle weights or something. I don't know. Like he he just didn't run with the burst and and uh, determination that he ran with in college. Uh, you know, there's talk that he may have been out of shape. Um, and I guess he he just could be a simple example of when you play for a, a team like Alabama and. You've got a great. You're working with a great offense, presumably a great offensive line, ahead a lot of the time. You, you're just put in a position to succeed. And then uh, when Richardson, um, you know, went to the NFL, he went from you know a, a great program with a running game that ran like clockwork to being asked to revive one that was in trouble, and he, it just wasn't in him. And the Colts gave him a, a chance, and, and you know, on paper, that looked like a good, good opportunity given uh, the passing offense uh, that they had there. But uh, and now he can't cut it with the Raiders. Yeah, talk about a fall from grace, and what a, a great kind of foresight move by the Browns. Didn't Indianapolis give up a first round pick for Richardson? They did, they did, and um, you know, they, par- they par- didn't they parlay that into Johnny Manziel? I think they did. So, yeah, one yeah. great move by the Browns kind of squandered and yeah, ended up in the draft. They, you know, that's kind of a damage con- slightly weak damage control after using the number three pick on them, N- not that, um, uh, you know, far before that mm-hmm. trade. But, you know, to their credit, they, 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 they did uh, realize their mistake in time to at least get something of value back for him. But, uh, you know, the, if you can make it anywhere, you can make it anywhere. Like, if you can't make it in Oakland, I don't know if you can – make it anywhere it's like the reverse new york new york yeah and he's a guy that a heisman trophy runner-up ironically to rg3 another guy who kind of finds himself in a similar situation right now i mean have we seen the last of trent richardson like you said if you can't make it in oakland it doesn't appear to be injury related it's just it just almost seems like he he's overwhelmed at the nfl level i mean is another team going to give him a shot this season you would think given his age that maybe he will you know get a look here or there but uh, I, I just don't think that any team's looking at him as the answer and, and maybe just kind of a, a guy who bounces around and then maybe, you know, one day a couple guys get hurt, he gets some carries, he does well. But that's a seems like a long shot scenario at this point. Right. Hard to believe uh, considering where he was drafted, how this has ended up. Um, Matt Castle hasn't been cut by the Bills. We know Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter there. It sounds like EJ Manuel is going to take over as the number two. There's reports out at Buffalo on Wednesday morning suggesting that uh, Matt Castle could end up being cut. Is this the right move for them in the long term? Well, I mean, that, that's in the internal discussions phase of things. And, um, I mean, you can, you can look at it as a—I mean, that, that quarterback situation, I mean, it, it's settled for now. I mean, I like Taylor. I think there's some interesting upside there given his mobility, and that's presumably why the team named him the starter, just 
his ceiling might be a little higher and Rex Ryan wanting to see what a, a, a guy, you know, running quarterback could do uh, in that offense. Um, EJ Manuel, you know, he's actually bounced back from, you know, being pretty much written off and presumed to maybe be the likely cut. Um, I mean, I think the main reason that they would consider Castle is just pure salary cap reasons. Um, they'd save $4.15 million against the cap. Um, I think the uh, what they call the dead money would be $600,000. It's not nothing, but and it would be, be a rather significant savings. Um, I guess it just depends on how confident they feel in the Taylor-Emmanuel duel. I mean, there, there is something to be said for like a – solid veteran backup uh behind behind those two but then then again i guess they have sims if they're desperate there but uh yeah it wouldn't surprise me if they if they cut him uh and this is a guy that was the favorite uh, entering training camp so you know the bills have made a couple interesting moves they got rid of fred jackson even though Lashawn mccoy's a uh, little uh you know questionable for week one there so uh yeah they're uh you know they're 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 going against the grain in in some ways yeah, we could talk about both of those guys right away. We'll start with Jackson. As you mentioned, released by Buffalo on Tuesday, already in Seattle on Wednesday. Sounds like they might be hammering out a deal there. Yeah, you know, the, uh, the, latest, the latest on Fred Jackson is that uh, the Cam Chancellor situation might sort of put a damper on that potential signing, so it may not be quite as... Just because quick. of the money that they would need yeah, might not be there? Yeah, and so that, that's... that's it's not a done deal, and now it's 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 starting to look like that might you know not fall through. But I was you know before this podcast, I was looking at all the different teams that could consider Fred Jackson, and there's there's a lot. I mean, for for various reasons. I mean, I, I jotted down a few, and we can go over them real quick. St. Louis, uh, because uh, Trey Mason is uh, banged up right now, questionable for week one, and I don't think that Gurley's ready out of the gate necessarily. The Patriots, well, you know, uh, they've always liked uh, Fred Jackson. You know, the coaching staff has a lot of respect for him. And, and with Blunt suspended for the first week, even though uh, Gray's still around, it, it, it's within the realm of possibility. It, it, it would be sort of a Patriots kind of move to go get a division rival guy like that who, uh, who's, who's done well against them in the past. That would be a very Patriots move. Yep, and then there's Cleveland because it's Cleveland and, and – you know, there was a little excitement there about Duke Johnson maybe having a chance to, uh, you know, make some headway in that in that um, backfield, and it's it's still unsettled. I mean, Crowell and West are still around, but I I don't really have a good feeling about uh, either of those two. And I I do kind of like Duke Johnson, but it, I do think that Cleveland is the the one team that's going to snag a, uh, you know, a, a cut down running back and throw throw him into the mix. Um, and then Houston, well, you know. Uh, Foster's injured. Um, Blue, he's been doing all right, but uh, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they wanted to throw in uh, you know, a veteran guy as kind of a filler there until Foster, uh, you know, comes back. Uh, Oakland, <laughs> as always, uh, you know, now that they've got rid of Richardson, it's it's a, a good sign for Latavius Murray. But they're uh, other than Halu as the pass catching back, it's a little bit cloudy as to who their uh, who their backups are there. Dallas, I don't know, just because it's Dallas, and uh, I we we inherently don't trust Darren McFadden, so as we shouldn't. Yep. And then the last one I mentioned is uh, Arizona. You know, if uh, if Chris Johnson doesn't show uh, um, burst in the uh, preseason finale, then uh, you know he might be gone. And I mean, that's 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 a bit telling that Chris Johnson has to prove in the fourth week of the preseason that he's worth keeping around. So. Um, yeah, a lot of teams out there that are that that could uh, find a spot for Fred Jackson, and, and obviously Seattle because Robert Turbin is dealing with the uh, high ankle sprain. And you mentioned that it was somewhat of an interesting um, move for Buffalo to cut Jackson due to what Lashawn McCoy has going on right now. He's still kind of banged up. Week one status appears to be getting more questionable by the day. If he's not ready, who's going to be the guy to step up for week one or maybe week two if, if the injury still lingers? Well, I was talking to our, our Buffalo beat writer, and he pretty much uh, echoed what I what I thought, you know, looking from the outside there, that they would just have to roll with a committee. And I don't, I don't really think that – I mean, Rex Ryan even, you know, hinted at that. There's not really going to be one guy that would take over all of McCoy's duties. They got Bryce Brown, Anthony Dixon, um, and then they have Carlos Williams maybe – will be 
ready to go by week one. But given that Carlos Williams is banged up, and they already knew that uh, McCoy was hurting, it's it's. I just don't understand why they they cut Fred Jackson. I mean, there's. Uh, I don't know what the exact salary cap savings are, but I'm, that's presumably the reason. But it, it does feel like they've left themselves shorthanded. And the fact that there's a lot of interest in Jackson shows that there's a, a widespread belief that he uh, that he still has something left in the tank. And he, he's he's definitely known as a good leader and um, tough as nails kind of guy and, and an asset to any backfield. So uh, that was that was that was a head scratcher. Yeah, I do kind of hope he lands in Seattle. I know Marshawn Lynch has been campaigning for that move. Obviously, they were teammates back in the day in Buffalo. I just think that'd be a great fit. I think Robert Turbin's banged up right now. He's got a high ankle sprain. That's something that can always linger. And I think, you know, from a pure production standpoint and from a comfortability standpoint, I think that's just kind of an ideal move. But like yeah. you said, the Cam Chancellor thing kind of complicates things you know, in Seattle. And at a certain point, is Kristen Michael a guy that they want to keep around? I mean, that he's pretty much done nothing since they drafted him and, and everybody assumed as a rookie that he would supplant Turbin and then in his second year that he would and it's just never never happened so I don't know that if if Jackson does sign with them I wonder if if they they finally move on from Michael and, and that's a guy that a lot of people liked coming out of college another guy a lot of people liked coming out of college Monty Ball a former second round pick of Denver he's now listed as the fourth running back on the Broncos latest depth chart Jawan Thompson, whoever that is, has now passed him. So he's behind C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman and now Jawan Thompson. It sounds like Ball's probably going to make the roster, but if he doesn't show well in this, in this fourth preseason game, he could be an inactive back on most game days. Well, that's, that's kind of where it, it's trending right now. But if you, if you look at their, their depth chart, obviously C.J. Anderson has taken over that job. Uh, Ronnie Hillman, you know, previously profiled as kind of a pass-catching specialist, but he's... He's actually shown that he can do a little bit more than that in in fill-in duties last year and the year before, and um, and, and in the preseason he's sh- he's shown some nice burst. Uh, Thompson is more of a you know goal line kind of guy, so I I think that maybe there is a, a path t- towards fantasy relevance uh, for Monte Ball, but it means probably he, he like you said he might be inactive, uh, but then if C.J. Anderson gets hurt, then he might kind of slide in as the direct replacement for C.J. Anderson. But if they're going to go with a balanced backfield of, you know, C.J. Anderson is the, is the lead guy, Hillman is a pass catcher, um, Thompson is kind of a in, in-close uh, goal line type, uh, it doesn't really leave much for, for Ball uh, if he's active. And if he's inactive, um, yeah, I mean, there's there, if you look at what's happened in Denver over the last few years, they their backfield never seems to stay healthy there's guys that 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 were inactive to start the year that ended up starting so i wouldn't write him off but uh it's he he this is a guy that was like going in the first round last year of of fantasy drafts and and now um he's either a late round dart or going undrafted um i don't think denver's quite ready to just cut him but uh yeah he's kind of off the radar right now Right, and Ball hasn't necessarily played badly. He's just had very untimely injuries that have kind of knocked him out. And you know, credit to C.J. Anderson for coming in over the last eight weeks last year and really grabbing a hold of this job. Two other guys, two receivers that we wanted to touch on, somewhat surprising cuts. Ryan Broyles, former second-rounder. The Lions cut him. He actually requested a release, which is interesting. Um, a guy who's only caught 10 total passes over the last uh, two seasons, big-time producer at the college level, ended up tearing his ACL near the end of his college career and, and just kind of really hasn't been the same yeah, since. Yeah, he's, uh, he's unfortunately, the, the injury woes just continued in the NFL. Uh, you know, second rounder. I mean, the word is is that he's got the, he's got the good hands as advertised, uh, you know, and that's what, what made him an intriguing um, draft pick at the time, especially in that offense, you know, maybe the, long, the long-awaited sidekick to uh, Calvin Johnson. But, uh yeah, the the word is is that he just can't get the separation that uh, that he used to before all the injuries, and I I do hope he catches on somewhere, but yeah, that's uh, that's a guy who seemed to be a great fit for for that sort of offense, and it didn't work out for him. Denarius Moore is the other guy who was cut. Pretty quiet 2014 season, just 12 catches, 115 yards in limited games. Um, you know, a guy who was productive a couple of years ago, caught 46 passes. Does he still have anything left in the tank? 
Well, I mean, the, the Bengals cut him, so that's not a great sign. I'm not you know, saying that the Bengals' uh, wideout core is, is weak or anything like that, but I would have thought that he at least could have uh, you know, made the team as a depth guy. Uh, I, I do think he'll catch on somewhere, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's too bad. A couple of years ago, like you said, he, the, you know, the 2011 fifth rounder showed some, some promise, um, an injury or two along the way and some sketchy QB play. Um, you know, didn't didn't help his cause, um, but yeah, like uh, there's 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 and Denarius Moore and Ryan Broyles. I mean, I, I don't think we need to go into detail too much more about them, but there's going to be a lot of players of of that 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 caliber that are going to be cut on Saturday. So there's going to be a lot of names that we know that uh, for one reason or another they're let loose, and either it's because really there's nothing left or it's time for a change, so uh, we'll, we'll see. That's so It's always a fascinating time of year. All right, let's move into some more minor news from the day. I won't spend quite as much time talking about these stories. Johnny Menzel, still dealing with the elbow issue, said it's not something he necessarily expects to dissipate. He, he kind of recognized that, you know, I throw sidearm. That's just kind of how this works. doesn't sound like he's necessarily going to try to rework his delivery at all. That's probably not the right thing to do you know, at, right before the season. But he doesn't expect it to completely go away. He's icing it. Um, just kind of something where he said it's on and off. Sometimes it hurts, sometimes it doesn't. Mike Pettin basically said if Manziel doesn't start throwing consistently over the next couple weeks, that he's going to open as a third quarterback and won't really have a chance to move up to number two during the preseason, obviously only a week left here. I mean, does this really matter at this point? Are you still kind of holding out hope that Manziel at some point gets his chance this season? Well, I mean, I, I think at this stage, uh, McCown has to like implode on the field or, or get injured for Manziel to have a chance. Um, I, I, if Manziel had shown a little bit more in, in the preseason and maybe avoided this injury, uh, there, there probably would have been more of a clamoring for, for him to get a chance if any, you know, in the, in, in the wake of any McCown struggles. But uh, I think this kind of gives the Browns a chance to, you know, an excuse to be patient and exercise caution with Manziel and, and maybe Browns fans can kind of like um, relax, and and you know may, may, maybe he gets a chance by midseason. I don't know, but uh, there's there's certainly no rush to get him in there at all by by either uh, the coaching staff, management, and presumably the the fans of Cleveland. Devin Hester will be held out of the preseason finale for the Falcons on Thursday. He's dealing with turf toe, um, kind of a wait and see type of injury there. Is this something you're worried about lingering into the regular season? Uh, not really. Um, I mean, Julio Jones, Roddy White, um, they're going to catch most of the passes as long as they're out there on the field. Uh, Leonard Hankerson has had a good uh, good summer. He slots in as probably the number three guy. I mean, uh, Hester, at least Matt Ryan threw him the ball, which uh, unlike Jay Cutler, I mean, uh, Hester apparently uh, wasn't a big fan of Cutler. He's, I guess, not alone there in former teammates at the wideout position at times. Yeah, that's a pretty popular opinion around the Madison area too, (laughs) believe it or not. But but anyway, like uh, Hester is, uh, you know, he had 38 catches for 504 yards and a couple TDs last year. I mean, I have memories of him being like a blur when he was in college. He was probably my my favorite college player of all time. Yeah, I remember seeing him in in a game and I was like, wow, this guy's awesome and... He he lived up to the building. Right, it's a, so rare. A, you see so many great college return men, um, you know, guys who are. It, just, it seems a little bit easier at the college levels. You know, competition levels a little bit down. And he's like the one guy who is like equally electric as a return man, at least in the NFL, as he was in college. Yeah, so. and it's, it it always made me wonder that you know if he can be that dangerous with the ball in his hand in the return situations, why can't teams figure out a way to get him more involved in the offense? And I still don't have that answer. But I think I'm not saying that he's you know fading or anything like that but i think the well unfortunately they waited until he was 31 years old yeah, to start throwing in the ball i think that the the opportunity to tap that like electric speed uh when he was younger was missed by uh you know a team or two there so now he's just a he's a solid complimentary receiver who can still do some damage in the return game albeit not quite as much to the level as he did when early in his career all right, another Atlanta Falcon, Devontae Freeman, still questionable, hasn't played in the preseason yet. Uh, the Falcons haven't said if he's playing in week four, correct? Yeah, I don't think he is. I mean, uh, but, but the word is, is that he's uh, looking better, you know, uh, you know, working at practice or maybe not at, maybe necessarily at practice all the time. But, like, 
he's doing stuff on the field that's encouraging and there's 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 a seems to be a decent amount of optimism that he is going to be ready for week one um he before he sustained his injury it was presumed that he'd be the starter tevin coleman had an injury of his own um he's a little bit ahead in terms of uh his recovery from that that hamstring issue but i mean i think at best um freeman is a 60 40 type guy you know with, with coleman and maybe anton smith thrown thrown in there too but um yeah, I, I I continue to fear the uh, the Atlanta Falcons backfield because the the player that I like the best, Coleman, um, is blocked by a second year player who's who's not bad, but uh, you know I just kind of wish that we could cut to week eight when when Coleman's atop the backfield and you know I, people that invest highly in Coleman they're they're going to have to be patient and uh, I'm I'm just not eager to like stash a guy on the bench you know, for six or eight weeks when, he, you know, especially at the level that people are paying for him in auctions and, and where he's being drafted. It's a, you know, the, the, the rookie upside, you know, gets people fired up, but uh, yeah, I think he's going to, Coleman's going to be eased in. And I think Freeman will, will, you know, start out of the gate. Minor trade went down on Tuesday afternoon. Kevin Norwood going from Seattle to Carolina. Blockbuster. Blockbuster trade. Uh, this time of year, maybe this is a blockbuster trade. Just nine catches on 10 targets last season. Uh, you know, Basically a reserve for, for a pretty shallow Seattle receiving core. I mean, do you expect anything out of this movie? There's a, there's a reason the Panthers went out and got him. Eh, you know, they're, they got rid of Jared Boykin. They're just cycling in another guy. I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's Kevin Norwood. Big shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's going to make the team. They needed depth. Uh, I, that's totally a wait and see kind of thing. I mean, obviously, uh, whenever you, whenever a team trades for another player at this time of the year, they obviously see something in that player, because really, for the most part, you can just kind of hang back and wait for the player that you want to get cut. But if there's a player that you really specifically target, then then you throw the the sixth rounder or the seventh rounder, seventh rounder to to another team to secure that player because. There's a lot of guys that are going to be out there for free, like in a couple of days. All right, the Jets have ruled Jason Morrow out for the season. Uh, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast. Jeff Cumberland and Kellen Davis basically in competition for that number one tight end position. Who do you like of those two? Well, I mean, Cumberland's the guy that's probably going to start, but I just don't see a ton of fantasy upside there. Um, you know, there was there was hope that Amaro would, uh, you know, live up to some of his uh, – you know, pre-draft hype uh, this year, and you know, in the second season with the Jets. But uh, I think mostly the residual effect of his injury is going to be maybe more opportunities for the running backs and and the slot guys. Um, I, I don't really. I'm not going to draft any Jets tight ends. Um, maybe maybe Cumberland will surprise, but uh, I I just think that uh, guys like Jeremy Curley and and whoever ends up winning that uh, slot job will, will get a few more looks. But, yeah, the Jets' passing attack, you know, it's its going to run through Brandon Marshall and Decker, and hopefully that works out for them. But, unfortunately, a, a guy that they thought was going to be a key piece, that is Amaro, is is out for the year, and that's, that's a tough loss for a team that really couldn't afford uh, too many um, blows at the skill positions like that. Guy we haven't talked about in a while, Dennis Pitta officially placed on the pup list by the Ravens on Wednesday. Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, John Harbaugh, um, saying he doesn't expect Dennis Pitta to return to the Ravens at any point. Obviously, it's still a little bit early for that kind of speculation, but this obviously is a very, very severe injury, a hip injury that Pitt is dealing with. So the team is basically prepared to move on without him at this point. Of course, they're going to give him every chance that they that they can to, to allow him to return, but the, the outlook doesn't look great right now. They have Max Williams, the highest drafted tight end in the 2015 draft. He's been limited in practice lately. Doesn't sound like it's anything too serious. Expected to be ready for week one. They also have Crockett Gilmore, and Crockett Gilmore is listed as the starter. How long is that going to last? I feel like if you're drafting Max Williams, uh, was he second or third rounder? I think he was late second round out of Minnesota. Um, yeah, I, I feel like you're not going to be able to sit him too long. And I think he's going to play primarily on passing downs. But, you know, at what point do you think uh, do you think he'll kind of emerge as the number one guy? Or, or do you think that it's going to be Gilmore? Well, I mean, I think that uh, Max Williams definitely has more upside as a pass, pass catcher, obviously. Uh, but he's going to have to prove himself as a blocker at the NFL level in certain situations in order to 
to stay out there either by himself or or more in more two tight end sets. But uh, of the two, he's easily the the most draftable fantasy tight end. Um, I mean, in the past, the uh, the Ravens tight ends have have, have been of interest. So uh, I definitely like him as a as a sleeper. You know, second tight end. See how it pans out, and if it does, then you start using him. I, I, I'm not ready to like throw him into my lineup in in week one, even even in a 14 team league. But he definitely, I would rather have him than some sort of boring veteran guy um, with a limited upside. So yeah, I mean, but unfortunately for Pitta, it doesn't look like uh, I mean, anything they get out of Pitta this year is going to be a bonus. So we have official word from the league that Martavis Bryant will be suspended for the first four games of the season. Of course, he had that substance abuse issue. I talked with DVR on the podcast on Monday about who's going to step in as that de facto number three without Bryant in the lineup. It was basically between Darius Hayward Bay and the rookie out of Auburn, Sammy Coates. It sounds like the Steelers have decided it's going to be Hayward Bay. Uh, they've, they've publicly kind of came out and, and pumped him up as that number three guy. Are you excited about him whatsoever? Not really. I mean, uh, back when the Raiders uh, drafted him seventh overall because he was super fast, there was a little bit of excitement, but he's just never been able to uh, produce you know, greatly at the NFL level. To his credit, uh, unlike other draft busts, uh, he has managed to stick around. Um, you know, and, the, and the Steelers' offense is, is a good one with Roethlisberger at QB. Uh, Bell, when he's in the lineup, um, you know, it's a pretty nice, nicely balanced offense. Antonio Brown catches a lot of balls. Whoever the second receiver is is going to, you know, benefit from when when teams blanket uh, Brown. So whoever the third receiver, therefore, is like one injury away. So it's worth knowing about. I mean, whoever it is between Hayward Bay and Coates, they're not lineup considerations yet. And I do think that, uh, you know, right now Wheaton is going to be the uh, the guy who benefits from Bryant's suspension. And as long as him and Brown stay healthy. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Hayward Bay starts the season as kind of the number three guy, but if Coates uh, shows well in practice, um, you know, he, he could actually get some opportunities in, in that slot. But, I mean, you take a look at Bryant. Last year he, he was inactive a lot. Um, he did have an injury early on, but uh, it took him a while to get off the inactive list. And then once he was, well, you, you saw what happened. I'm not saying that the same thing's going to happen to Coates, but I do feel like we can't write him off just yet. And uh, Haywood Bay has proved, uh, you know, over the years that uh, <laughs> he may not necessarily be the guy, even though he's got the name recognition there. All right, a couple quick AFC South notes. T.Y. Hilton, still in a non-contact jersey, not going to play in Thursday's preseason finale. Um, still going through the league's NFL concussion protocol. So probably not something to worry about as yeah, far as week on one. back the field pretty quickly after, you know, it being announced that he was in the concussion protocol, um, not to be taken lightly, but given the timing of it and given that they've already got him back out there on the field, it's it, it would appear to not be a serious concussion. Uh, I mean, if, if, if he was completely held out of activities, I would be a lot more worried, but uh, that's not the case. All right, Julius Thomas is going to be out probably until week four or five after going undergoing surgery on that broken hand, or excuse me, a tendon, I believe, in his hand. Yeah, um, finger tendon hand, but in, in any case, uh, not good, but also not serious enough to keep him out for more than you know the first maybe quarter of the season there. So that's bad news, good news. Uh, and you're you're our resident Jags expert, and um, they do have a, a capable former first rounder. They do, and that's Mercedes Lewis, and a guy who's I think he's the longest player, longest tenured player, excuse me, on the team now that Scobie's out of town. Uh, shed a single tear uh, for that. But, yeah, he's going to step in as the number one tight end for the first couple of weeks. And his he's available at a discounted rate, too. So that, that might be the one to go for. We'll see about that. I, I don't see why that one would be discounted. That, that's a discussion for another day. I think it's because the, uh, the Jaguars changed their uniforms. And oh, therefore, right, right. They have a lot of their previous uh, rendition of their uniforms out there at discounted prices. Uh, Smart move, flooding the market. I, I just, uh, Nick, I mean, the thing is I just can't fathom paying $90 for – one of those NFL replica jerseys oh, there. Oh, no, no. So that's why every jersey that, I, that I've ever owned has been a player that was either traded or released by the Patriots. So that's why Dion Branch and Corey Dillon are uh, immortalized in my closet there. What's the, what's the jersey you're most proud of, real quickly? 
Well, I do like the Corey Dillon one because I got it for nine ninety nine, and uh, it's the throwback kind. And uh, you know, he had a nice run with the team, and I love those throwback jerseys. So yeah, that's it. All right, back to the Jaguars tight end situation quickly. <laughs> Mercedes Lewis is going to be the number one guy for those first couple of weeks. Probably worth a late round flyer if you're in a deeper league. Otherwise, maybe an ad on the waiver wire. Jags are going to use two tight ends in their, in their base set this year, so they're not going with a fullback. They're not going to roster a fullback. Um, you know, obviously in passing situations, there won't be two tight ends on the field. But Lewis is a guy that they haven't been shy about splitting out in the slot at times too. So I think the upside is definitely there over that that first quarter of the season. And then Clay Harbor kind of moves into the number two role, yeah. a guy who's filled in admirably, but I mean, so hit or miss, not somebody you, you ever really want to have in your lineup. I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm not super excited about uh, Lewis in season long leagues, but if you're as a streaming option early on, sure. And if you're one of the people that drafted early and, and, and already owns Thomas, it's kind of an obvious plug in there. So there's, there's value you know, in weekly formats and, and for those who drafted Thomas, but uh, he's not moving, uh, Lewis is not moving highly up my rankings uh, in the wake of uh, Thomas's injury. Final quick Jaguars note, Tandon Doss was cut, uh, probably an expected move there, but basically what that means is rookie Rashad Green is going to be returning punts and might see some action on kickoffs too. So probably another guy you don't want to be targeting in drafts, but definitely a name to keep an eye on after well, I keep, huge I keep production. I keep thinking, you know, this, uh, that, that Green is going to somehow emerge as their, their slot guy, and he's probably I mean, one. he is right now. And he's one, or, yeah, I, I, and he's one injury away from being in that sort of like three-man rotation of receivers that do stuff for the Jaguars. So uh, I don't know, like uh, you got Lee, you got Robinson, you got Hearns, and um, pretty much all of those guys were hurt at one time or another last year. So I don't know, like uh, Green's a nice little sleeper, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a super sleeper, I guess, if we want to use that word. But certainly not a guy to target in drafts, but a name to keep an eye on nonetheless. Like, ironically, the player on the Jaguars that I'm the most fired up about is a player that you're the least fired up about, and that's Green. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not fired up about him. I just, I just don't want to. I don't want to be the guy that takes the fall when he when he only yeah. ends up playing six games. No, this no, year. I, I, I jest, of course, mm-hmm. but the, I, I do think that there's a there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a potential there for him mm-hmm. to get into that like whatever Ace Sanders did back when he was good. Green Green could put up those sort of mm-hmm. numbers. And Absolutely, that's, that, that's not useless in PPR formats. Football season is just a few weeks away at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you can win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, eight players won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues this season, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com. Head over to DraftKings.com now. Enter that promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry. DraftKings.com, bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Remember to enter Rotowire, that's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, for free entry now at DraftKings.com. All right, so we don't have much time left, but we want, I wanted to talk about a draft on Monday night. I did my first draft of the year, a 10-team half-point PPR league, so uh, just a bunch of buddies from back home. Uh, definitely not experts, but also guys who you know, we were competent to the point where we can, I think we can discuss the draft without having to talk about Aaron Rodgers, Eddie <laughs> Lacy, and Randall Cobb going 1-2-3, as I saw in my girlfriend's recent draft, but um, I just wanted to talk about some of the some of the surprises that we saw. Um, first of all, a guy we've kind of been tracking in every draft, just because I know how much you like him, and, and it's Gronk is is the player. We'll, yep. we'll say that, um, and he's just in such a unique position as the unquestioned number one yeah, guy. We at haven't his, seen that for a while. We haven't, and right, exactly. And he went at number nine again, a ten team league, half point PPR. I think that seems about right. Does that does that seem? About yeah, definitely. I mean, when I said that we haven't seen that for a while, there was kind of the Jimmy Graham slash Gronk elite. I don't thing, think there was that much of a gap as there is now. You yeah, know? like and, it would be insane to take anyone other than Gronk. Yeah, and Gronk, part of Gronk's, uh, you know, the question marks attached to him the last couple of years were, were injury related, not talent related. But I was thinking back to a time where like Tony Gonzalez was an example, you know, a while back. Uh, when he was in his in his prime with the Chiefs, as a guy that like he was so much better than the next tight end on the board, that he was, you know, going in the first round, and that's what's happened with Gronk this year. There's, in in, in my in my mind, there's about there's like five running backs that are kind of elite. So if you're in a standard league, you're, those guys are off the board. Boom, boom, you know, like five picks, and then there's maybe three wideouts that 
that team to fly off as well. You know, we're looking at Antonio Brown, Des Bryant, maybe Julio, uh, Demarius Thomas, and right right in that range. That's that's where Gronk belongs because if as soon as you get to that point where those first five running backs are off the board, uh, the three or, or maybe four elite wideouts that everybody trusts and values highly are off the board. Then you're looking at sort of like next next tier running backs, maybe even next tier wideouts. I mean, ODB's in the mix as well, but no matter how you slice it, he he's a first round consideration. And and that I do think that no matter the size of your league, just owning a player who's that much separated from the rest of the players at his position is is a good is a good thing. And I my last draft, he was my first pick. I, I chose him. Fifth overall, a little bit of a reach, but I had promised myself if the four running backs I wanted were off the board, I would take him, and that's exactly what happened. I, to Sorry, Packers fans, I, I passed on Eddie Lacy in order to take Gronk, but uh, I ended up with uh, Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon as my running backs in a 16-team league, so that didn't work out too bad. But anyway, back to your draft. Um, yeah, you talked about Melvin Gordon. He went number 30 overall, so right at the end of round three. And then Todd Gurley went 31 at the top of round four. Gurley's ADP in NFFC draft has been 58, so people are maybe a little bit more cautious with him. I thought 31 was a bit of a reach, especially I mean, in the 10-team It's league. a little bit high, that, but you know, you're swinging for the fences with that pick. You're, you're hoping that maybe by week four, uh, at the latest week six, that he's going to step in and, and be the— be the guy that the Rams drafted when they took him 10th overall. Um, Trey Mason is, is banged up right now. I don't really know that that necessarily affects the timetable for Gurley. Um, but I, I think probably the upside for anyone who drafts Gurley is that they get, I don't know, 10 to 12 productive games out of him. Um, and in a lot of cases, that's enough. But you definitely need to uh, acquire depth if you if you – invest that highly in Gurley because I mean obviously whoever drafted him 31 was you know swinging for the fences thinking that his ceiling was better than anyone else at that slot and you know there there, there may be some merit to that but it is a risky pick that high right and, when, and my friend who took, who took the who took Gurley actually took Gordon as well that was on the turn so Bit of a, a bit of a risk there going with the rookie backfield, but uh, we'll see if that pans out. Two more running backs who went back-to-back later in the draft. Arian Foster went 51, TJ Yeldon 52. Is that a little soon to grab a guy who we're not really sure when he's going to be back on the field? Well, that that's almost the same situation there. It's like if, if the best-case scenario arrives for Foster that, you know, he only misses like four games and he's back, you know, at the end of September, that's that's a great pick. Uh, I do think that Foster is going to make an impact at some point, but I, even if he's like quote ready to play, you know, after missing just four games, I, I, I don't think he's going to be top shape right away. Um, you know, might be six to eight games into the season um, before you know he gets to that point where you where you start feeling confident about using him, and that's assuming he's not you know put on any sort of injury list to start the season. I doesn't feel like they're going to but I, I i wouldn't rule that out but i guess we're going to find out by saturday uh if 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 uh he's a candidate to uh to sit out multiple games for sure um you know by by virtue of an injury designation otherwise it's gonna we're just gonna have to assume that he's gonna be out for a few games and then take it week by week from there so i grabbed matt ryan as my quarterback at 66 overall so midway through that sixth round um and i thought he was a steal at the time but you know, I saw Drew Brees going almost two full rounds before him at 47, and I kind of like Matt Ryan more than Drew Brees this season, to be honest. But then a guy like Matthew Stafford, you know, again, a 10-team, one-quarterback league, Matthew Stafford went undrafted. And you know, in hindsight, I almost wish I would have spent that mid-six-round pick on a better running back um, and I mean, you know, kind of waited. Who was out there at, at 66. Right. Uh, right. It's hard to say, but like, uh, I guess in a 10-team league, you can really be patient with quarterbacks, and that's maybe a lesson learned there for you there yeah yeah exactly and like I said when I saw Drew Brees go off the board that early um yeah I kind of I kind of figured I needed to grab one of the elite QBs but like you said in a 10 team league you know you're going to be able to grab a guy like Stafford or you know in some leagues Tannehill probably falls that far yeah probably shouldn't I mean, be there's but. there's maybe I don't know nine 
maybe 10 quarterbacks that I, that I would be happy with owning. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, you can definitely wait. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Brady went after that and, uh, probably where, where did big Ben go in your league? Uh, big Ben went, sorry, he went, he went all the way down and he went all the way down in the seventh round. So, um, 68th, just two picks after yeah. Ryan. And those were the kind of the two guys I was waffling between. I got Antonio Brown in the first round. So I guess, Traditionally, I do kind of like to pair that quarterback-receiver tandem and you know get the quote-unquote double points on a receiving touchdown, yeah. which you know depending on how there's, you look at it, there's is, risk uh, award to that. Right, so exactly. It's it's kind of a sometimes you want you want to avoid that situation. Exactly. But yeah, back to you know the the, the ten-team quarterback league. Not not telling anyone how to you know draft or anything, but like uh, once you get past Rodgers and Luck as you know relatively high picks. If you're in a 10-team league, I, I do believe that you can be pretty patient at the quarterback position. Uh, the scarcity, there's more scarcity at other positions. You only need to want to start one quarterback. Uh, there's 32 teams, and you know at least half of those quarterbacks are serviceable. And you know, let's say 10 are guys that I wouldn't mind starting in my fantasy lineup. Now, if uh, you're sitting there in round eight and you, you're looking at a bunch of running backs you don't like, and you got your tight end and a bunch of scrubby receivers well then go for your quarterback but you don't need to force it in, in a 10-team league I don't think all right we'll touch on tight end real quickly before we wind or before we uh end the podcast here I grabbed Greg Olson 55 overall I was happy with that probably right about the value I thought he should have been going at um, and then I was able to get Antonio Gates in the 12th round just Perfect. kind of taking a flyer on that 115th overall um, you know, he was sitting kind of near the top of the, the little queue, you know, on ESPN's yeah. draft board. And I, I kept being worried that someone would take him. And I, I felt like in the 12th round, why not? You know, a guy who's only going to miss four games. And then at that point, I can kind of kind of feel out how Olsen's playing and then kind of choose between those two guys. You know, ten team, back to the 10-team thing, um, there's only a, a few tight ends that I trust. Olsen is one of them, so that's a good call. Uh, even though Gates is suspended for the uh, first four games of the year, it gives you a nice insurance policy there. So you're... You're well covered at one of the sketchier positions in fantasy, so that's I think that's that's a good call. I think you did well there. Thanks, Mike. That means a lot. <laughs> All right, if you are out for the evening and you've been drinking, please get a ride, call a cab, find any other safe way home because getting arrested for drunk driving can cost you a lot more than an arrest and a fine. You could face legal fees, court costs, the loss of your license, much more. Right now, cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, you know what that read means, Mike. It is now time for our safe sleeper pick of the day, presented by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. A handful of us will be driving after our fantasy drafts, might be downing some beers at those fantasy drafts. If you have a couple too many, call a ride, call your girlfriend, call your wife, call a friend. It doesn't matter who. Do not get behind the wheel if you've had too many. That said, today's safe sleeper pick is Benny Cunningham. And why is that? Well, uh, you know, he's a guy that's largely gone unnoticed in most drafts and auctions that I've been involved with. And, I mean, that's because Gurley is, the, the, you know, the exciting pick there in the, in the Rams' backfield. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's understood that there's the team plans to ease Gurley back in. And then it was assumed that Trey Mason was going to uh, fill in for however long it took for the team to get comfortable with the notion of uh, starting Gurley. But now uh, Mason is questionable for first for for the first week of the season. Um, I mean, he he could end up playing, but hey, if uh, they're not ready to f- turn Gurley loose and Mason is out, someone's got to run the ball. So right now, um, Benny Cunningham looks like a candidate to maybe see a start or two in the beginning of the year. Now. All that could change if the if the Rams pick up uh, you know some running back off the waiver wire or end up <laughs> snagging somebody like Fred Jackson. But for a guy who's like pretty much unowned, I think he he has a chance to start a game or two, and that's that's a pretty valuable sleeper pick. Uh, or at least if you've already had your draft or auction, and and maybe you had Amaro and he's on IR or anybody anybody else that. You just don't want on your roster anymore. Let's just throw Benny, <laughs> Benny Honey, Benny Cunningham at the uh, the bottom of your bench and hope for the best. And, uh, and, and if you know he doesn't end up getting a start, well, that's fine. But uh, I mean, in the beginning of the year, there's a couple of running backs that are suspended. There's Bell. There's Blunt. 
there's maybe going to be some running backs that between now and week one, uh, for whatever reason, they get injured and have to sit out, and you're just looking for like a one-week guy, well, he might be it. Yeah, and, and he's a guy who, when you look at his rushing numbers last season, there's really not much there. You know, basically three, four carries a game type of guy, just, just the third running back there. But he 45 catches. That's seventh among running backs in the league last season. So a guy who, when he was in there, wasn't involved much in the passing game, or excuse me, wasn't involved much in the running game, but really shined as a pass catcher. So, you know, if you if you assume he's going to to continue that kind of production, maybe not to that level. 45 catches is probably a lot considering they added Todd Gurley. But you know, he's already a weapon in the passing game, and if he starts getting more touches as a runner, the value is definitely there. So I think I think that's a very viable safe sleeper pick. Yeah. All right, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Be sure to use that promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, be sure to check out RotoWire.com free. You can do that for 10 days of premium access. Just go to RotoWire.com slash pod. No payment info or anything required there. You can just sign up, see what we're all about if you're a little hesitant to pay for fantasy sports advice. Thanks again for listening. We will be back with you on Thursday, the last Thursday without NFL regular season football.